We are live from the press room here in Los Angeles, California. UFC 199 has concluded a few hours ago. My name's Simon Head from Sun Sport. This is Mr. John Morgan of MMA Junkie, uh, America's leading mixed martial arts reporter. Goes to more events than uh, the UFC staff, so uh, <laughs> no one better to, uh, to to pour over what was a historic night for UK mixed martial arts and a, a night to remember for for mixed martial arts in general. That event, John, was top to bottom one of the greatest events. Uh, in UFC history. It really was, and I don't think that's exaggerating. I mean, it's always tough to say something is the best, you know, especially right away because you're kind of on the high of that moment and, and it's difficult to say. But, I mean, really, just in thinking back to the catalog of events in my head, this is right up there. I mean, we started yeah. out with literally one of the, the greatest fights you'll ever see. The very first fight of the night. Yeah, right? I mean, that's got to be, I mean, I don't know what, you know, the best first fight of the night has ever been, but that's got to be up there. Yeah. Maybe uh, they can put that collection together on Fight Pass, but... Uh, that was an incredible way to start tonight, and then the momentum continued all night long, and then, of course, the big title fights, and, and then Michael Bisping uh, just shocking the world and, and delivering on a promise, and yeah, start to finish, incredible night. Um, we'll obviously talk about Bisping, because that's, that's the big story for us over in the UK. Um, this is a guy who, not that long ago, was, was considered a busted flush. You know, people thought that he would never get this opportunity. He had three title potential potential uh, right. title shots on the line he lost all three Dan Henderson knocked him out at UFC 100 Charles Sonnen beat him according to the judges at least um, in a very very close <laughs> fight that a lot of people in, well Charles Sonnen thought he lost um, I maintain he won that fight we'll, you know we'll agree to differ on that one and um, Vitor Belfort n- you know knocked him into the next week so um, and after that it looked as if Bisping was almost seemed destined to be one of those guys who he was always going to be there or thereabouts, but right. never quite going to make that breakthrough. But he's, he was like a man possessed this week for the whole thing, the whole story. I mean, you followed his career, you know, um, and you, you've covered all, probably every single fight he's had in the UFC. How different was his demeanour this week compared to the other events based on how you see it? Because obviously I've, I've got my own take on it, but I'd be interested to get yours. Incredibly different, because I think a lot of times... Uh, Michael Bisping was a showman. It's funny because I, I say there's times when you can detect real confidence in a fighter, and there's times you can detect a guy that's trying to talk himself up. Yeah. And I think Michael Bisping has been that guy that's trying to talk himself up a lot of times over the years. But I think honestly, the Anderson Silva win did something huge for Michael Bisping. I think for his confidence, for um, you know, just the way he feels about himself and the way he feels about his opportunities and his options. I mean. When he was saying, this is my destiny, this is something that's going to happen, it didn't feel like he's just trying to sell a fight. And he's great at selling a fight. He is. But yeah. it felt like he really meant that. And, uh, God, what a magical year it's been for, for Michael Bisping so far. This this has been a, a fun ride. Because you're right. I mean, Mike is a company guy, somebody that has is, is done everything the USC has ever asked of him. But you did kind of get the feeling, okay, he reached his limit. It's not like he's some incredibly gifted athlete, you know what I'm saying? He has maximized his potential as a human being. And he's the first guy to admit that. You Absolutely. know, he tells you he's, he's, a, he's an average guy. Um, he isn't elite at one particular element of MMA. He's just a tough guy with a heart, heart of a lion who just goes out there, lays it all out there. And it hasn't quite happened for him. But he fought Anderson Silver in London in what would have been his dream title fight. Sure. That was the fight he was chasing all those years, Anderson Silver in the UK he got Anderson Silver in the UK unfortunately Silver didn't have the gold back then that was one of the most dramatic fights oh, uh, you know he was winning the fight handily 
then gets knocked down at the end of the third round with a flying knee. There was a bit of controversy um, in, in regard that he, his mouthpiece had fallen out and he was signaling to Herb Dean, you don't do that in a Protect fight. Protect yourself at all Protect times. Protect yourselves at all times. And had that happened maybe 10 seconds earlier, that probably would have been a knockout win mm-hmm. for Anderson Silva. It happened right on the buzzer. He ended up uh, being saved by the buzzer effectively. He went back to his corner and amazingly came back and won the next round and that round effectively won in the mm-hmm. fight. So that was a landmark win for him. And then the thought after that was, well, he got the win over Anderson Silva, but he wants to win the title. Can we see that? And common wisdom was that he wasn't really going to beat Luke Rockhold. Right. Rockhold beat him handily in Sydney um, two two years ago. But And I wrote about it this morning. Um, there, was some, there, was, there was just that feeling there was something in the air. And that... While it's hard, it was. I wrote it. It's hard not to back Rockhold, but it feels like there's a chance that something special could happen tonight. And I was open mouthed in amazement on press row when it happened because Michael Bisping, the man who's been uh, almost a figure of fun amongst some fighters mm-hmm. for his lack of knockout power, people have said he's got pillow fists and all of this, and he's a volume striker and he's just a decision fighter. He went and blasted him out with two huge left hooks and finished him on the ground. That was as decisive a finish as, as you'll get. Um, and we've got a new world champion. It's incredible. It's incredible, you know. I think when Luke... First of all, you could tell this week that even though there was only two weeks of build of this fight, Michael Bisping had gotten under Luke Rockhold's skin. Oh, yeah. Luke Rockhold was very upset, very shook. Uh, and then he comes out at the press conferences and admits that he has a knee injury. And you just start thinking, wait a minute. If Luke has a knee injury and he's so confident that he can beat Mike... You know, maybe this is a fight he shouldn't be taking. He didn't take it seriously, but he believes. You know, so you start to creep and think, well, maybe there is some dots to be connected here. Mike could do something special. But at the end of the day, I I mean, I still went with Luke Rockhold. I went on record and said, look, I, you know, I think Mike's gonna, you know, be competitive and 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 be focused. But I just don't think he's got the tools to get this done. As you said, a first round knockout. Come on, nobody was calling that. We were talking about it in the press room. a little bit earlier on uh, with a few other colleagues in the press the general thought process here was if Michael Bisping was going to win this fight it would have been by decision right? Uh, because that is typically the way he wins fights he wins it with his cardio which is among the best in the middleweight mm-hmm. division but then you factor in the fact that he came in on a two week camp that possibility becomes a lot smaller you think you can't possibly go five rounds at the pace that he normally fights off a two week camp so you think well He's going to need to knock him out, and we haven't really seen that for a very long time. Certainly not as decisive as that. That's the most decisive finish of his UFC career, without a doubt. It's incredible. Um, so he beat up Kung Lee pretty bad. He beat up Kung Lee, but he, that was more of a systematic sort of sort of um, dismantling yeah, of, of him, true. and uh, had him against the fence, landed lots of strikes, and then hit him with a good knee up the middle, and then finished him on the floor. This was two big left hands. First one floored Rockhold. Rockhold was getting back up. So he floored him with another one. And then when he was against the fence, he hit him with two absolute monsters. And then uh, big John McCarthy stepped in. Incredible. And, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of UFC title fight shocks, where would you rank this, do you think? It's right up there. It's, I mean, it's, it's right up there at the top. I mean, I still think 
I mean, GSP uh, losing to Matt Sarah is yeah. kind of the one that everybody always points to. That's the standard, isn't it? That really? is, that really is. judged on that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that is. And then, of course, uh, you know, I think in terms of actual, like, betting lines, I think, you know, Holly Holmes stopping Ronda Rousey was technically the biggest, you know, yeah. according to the odds. Um, and that was pretty massive, too. Mm. Uh, you know, Barat Dillashaw was a pretty big <laughs> upset as well. But, I mean, this is right up there with the biggest of them. It, it really is because... You know, I think all all week long, everybody was kind of giving it the old, uh, well, I'm glad Mike's here. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, ah, he guy finally got his title the shot. Old, the old ah, college try and all that. that. Yeah. And, and you know what's funny? I, I actually, um, I was actually talking to a colleague on Skype as, as, as the fight was starting. Mike, when he came in, he went out of his way to greet his family a couple of times. Yep. Uh, as he walked through the cage, you know, he made a, a, an effort of it to like really soak in the moment, which is awesome. I mean, for 10 years, he's been trying to get mm. to this title shot. But I did, even then, I'm like, I made the comment to my colleague, I said, he got a lot of that, I'm just happy to be here, body language. Almost like farewell to take it all up, this could be the last one. Yeah, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know if that's what I want, but it turns out, maybe that's that's the mental state he did need. You know, he talked a lot about the mentality they need, Uh, Jason Perillo, you know, kind of helping him refocus and, 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 you know, concentrate on the right things, and, uh, you know, even even him saying the two-week training camp, it's funny because when he when he said the two week training camp you know leading into this fight mm. was maybe better for him because he had to, he has a tendency to overtrain and this yeah. way he wasn't overtrained and I remember like listening to him say that and he and he presents it so convincingly you're like yeah 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 no that maybe that is good and then you, and then you go no it's not good to go into a title fight with Luke Rockhold on two weeks notice no uh, he can but, sell snow to Eskimo he can but maybe it is maybe maybe that is exactly what he needs I, maybe from now on. He just needs to not start training until he's like two weeks out. But, I mean, this was special. This was, I said at the time, and I, I think I told you this, you know, the, the fight back in London with Anderson Silva, that fight felt like a movie to me. Just the, the oh, ebb and was. the flow of it, yeah. man. It was like a Hollywood blockbuster, you know, just the type of emotion that was in it. And this right here, this was a storybook ending too. I mean, this yeah. is... I mean, if this was a movie, you'd be like, "Come on, the, the, the guy, the, the guy that could never, never knock anyone out comes in and beats the champ in the first round." Like, yeah, thanks, thanks for selling me that load of crap, dude. Gonna be some, yeah. I mean, just incredible, incredible. It was nuts, and uh, in the pre-fight talk, Luke Rockhold um, had got had been wound up by Bisbing to the point that Rockhold started being very specific about what he was going to do, and he basically said, "I'm going to knock you out, and I'm going to knock you out in three minutes." Well, the official time of the knockout for Michael Bisbee was 3 minutes 36 seconds. Whoops. So uh, it wasn't far off that three-minute prediction, but um, it was Michael Bisbee delivering the knockout and not Luke Rockhold. Final one on, on uh, Michael Bisbee before we move on to uh, a couple of the other fights on the card. He's in a position now as champion. He can obviously leverage his position and look to maybe not dictate what he does next, but mm-hmm. certainly have a major say. Yeah. Opposition-wise, obviously, there, you know, there's options there. The, the Rockhold rematch is the easiest sell in the world. Um, Jacare Souza is a, certainly a deserving candidate. Um, so we've got those there. Yo, and, and there's the, the, the looming shadow of Yoel Romero once he comes back from his suspension. Chris Weidman. And we've got Chris Weidman when he gets fit. So, you know, and we know that Weidman doesn't like Bisping. Bisping so, doesn't like Weidman. So, so, there's, all, so there's always <laughs> that. But I think more important for Bisping, and I spoke to him backstage after the fight, he wants to bring the belt back to the UK, and he wants to fight in Manchester. Um, I mean, if, if, if you were the UFC, what would you do with Michael Bisping next? Um, 
who would you who would you pitch him in with, and where where would you stage it? Well, if I'm the UFC, probably what I would do is I would give him that fight in England, and I'd do it against Jacques Ray. I think Jacques Ray is a legitimate number one contender, but he's not the greatest sell in the world. Right. You know what I mean? In the United States, in a pay per view, Bisping versus Jacques Ray, hardcore fight fans would be like, yeah. "Oh wow, you know this could be Jacques Ray's chance." But I just don't see that one being a big seller for the casual fan and being like, "I want that." So. If you want to combat that, take it to England, where obviously Mike's going to be a huge draw. So, yeah. if I was the UFC, I would I would say that you could take Mike as the big draw, put him against the the lesser draw in Jacare, and that would still leave you available to maybe do say Weidman and Rockhold in New York as a number one contender fight because they, you know, I'm sure Weidman still wants to, to fight in New York, and I think yeah. it sounds like he'll be healthy around that time. Put the fight together that was supposed to be, make it for a number one contender fight, maybe yeah. uh, because then. No matter who wins out of that little foursome right there, yeah. you got pretty good matchups. So you know, I don't even—I don't know that I'd necessarily say that's the right thing to do. I mean, obviously the trilogy mm. fight would be an easy sell, but if I'm the UFC, that to me seems like the, the easiest way to do it. That way, Weidman gets to fight in New York, Bisping gets to fight in England, and I think yeah. the matchups make sense. Yeah, and you know, you talk about selling a fight, and uh, spoke about it over over a cold beer yesterday, and uh, this is More a guy. Than one, this fact. this is a guy. This is a guy who. Once quit his job as a door-to-door salesman because he was too intimidating at the door. He quit his job in sales. He's one of the biggest salesmen in the UFC. One of the biggest salesmen in the fight game. Um, Obviously, a lot of the new fans to the sport know all about Conor McGregor. Bisbing was doing a very similar job at a slightly less uh, with, with, with with slightly less press or yep. a lot less press. He's <laughs> uh, he was the guy who did the hard yards. He's the guy who broke the barriers down. Um, in order to get people tuned on, uh, sort of tuned into the sport, Tom Breeze, I spoke to him um, in, in in media day, and he said that if it wasn't for Bisping um, getting on the Ultimate Fighter and doing what he did and switching people onto the sport, he probably wouldn't have found MMA as early as he did. And you know, he's a 24-year-old fighter in the UFC. Didn't go his way tonight, uh, Tom Breeze. He suffered his first career loss against Sean Strickland uh, in probably the least entertaining fight of the night. It would be fair to say. It was, but. We had 13 fights on that fight card, and 12 of them were absolute crackers. Um, let's talk about the co-main. Let me say one thing real quick yes. on this thing. I'll say one last thing. Uh, the other thing about that's great about tonight is I think it definitely seals his place as a future UFC Hall of Famer. I think he was one of those guys that was kind of on the bubble. Right. Just because of his tenure and what he's accomplished, mm. I think you would say, hey, he's probably a Hall of Famer. But he never got over the hump. I think tonight sealed the fact that one day he'll be in the USC Hall of Fame, which is pretty cool. But that would be just desserts as well yeah. for all the all the work he's done, not just as a fighter, but for the sport outside of the outside yep. of the cage as well. It's a, a huge night for him and his family, and a, a huge night for UK mixed martial arts. It was a big night for California mixed martial arts as well. We had um, two former WEC fighters um, fighting for the UFC bantamweight title in a trilogy fight. These two guys do not get along. Dominic Cruz, um, the Dominator, and the California kid, Uriah Faber, going toe-to-toe for the third time. It was the rubber match. They both won a fight each. Um, and uh, Faber, similar to Bisping in some ways, he's on that quest to win a UFC title. We held world championships at WEC before that got absorbed by the UFC. But when that, when that merger happened, he'd lost the belt to Jose Aldo mm-hmm. at, at featherweight. Um, he's now campaigning at bantamweight. Um, and uh, he he got well beaten tonight, didn't he? He did, yeah. I mean, it was a competitive fight. I don't think Uriah Faber looked bad. 
Absolutely not. But, but Dominic Cruz is just one step above. I mean, yeah. really one of the best fighters in the world right now. Yeah. Dominic won that fight everywhere. He, he won it on the feet. He dropped your right favor a couple times. The grappling, some of those grappling exchanges were incredibly oh, slick. Oh, scrambles were going, yeah. Was, Amazing. Dominic just looked fantastic. I thought he had kind of a slow start. It looked a little bit off to me in the first round. I couldn't, he, looked, he looked tired. He looked tired. Round. I couldn't put my finger on what it was, but he just didn't look right. Uh, but he came back and, and just convincingly won it. And again, it's it's not that Uriah looked terrible. It's just that Dominic was was a, a step above and takes home the uh, the victory in this trilogy series. Remains the the champion and uh, and it looks like you know they're going to make up and then they decide they're not going to make up and they keep going at it. And I'm sure this rivalry is going to keep going. Um, Danny Castillo came up and told me after after the fight, he's like, dude, we got we got. A handful of guys that are that are still coming to Dominic Cruz. Uriah said the same thing. He's like, Cody I got Garbrand a gym full of guys. One, right? Cody Garbrandt being yeah. right there at the forefront of it. So I think we're going to continue to see uh, Team Alpha Male versus Dominic Cruz rivalries uh, in the future as well. So uh, I think this, this 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 bickering will continue on. They are kind of like an old married couple in many ways. They're sort of kind of bickering and arguing with each other. Each one wanting to have the last word. It'd be great to think that in like 10 years' time when they're both hung the gloves up, they can just be sitting in a bar one day with a couple of cold beers. <laughs> and Do you remember that press conference? Do you remember that fight? Because these are two guys, they're both fantastic characters for the sport. Dominic Cruz, uh, revolutionary in many ways in terms of the, his fighting style. He looks very strange in some ways. He's got that kind of language style. His footwork's outstanding. Faber, much more orthodox um, in terms of his style. A uh, big puncher likes to likes to use his wrestling, but he really struggled to lay a hand on Dominic Cruz tonight. And Cruz wants away uh, as a UFC bantamweight champion. And that's a guy who's had a bit of a journey. You know, he was out of the sport for a long time. He had a cruciate knee ligament injury, had the operation to repair it. The body then rejected the cadaver ligament that they put in, so that put him out again. And uh, came back and. It was a long time out. You know, the sport can evolve when you're out for that long, you know? It did, and yet Dominic Cruz has now become, like, the, the patron saint of the injured or whatever. You know, like, everybody looks to him as, like, <laughs> is, really this is. guy did it. We can do it, too. I mean, He's everybody just... you talk to is like, Dominic Cruz did it. I can do it. No, I don't believe in cage rust. I can come back from injury. Yeah, he's ruined that excuse for everyone, hasn't he? <laughs> he's really like, everyone can say, yeah, I needed, I needed to blow off the cobbers. No, Dominic Cruz has, has, has demonstrated that cage rust doesn't doesn't exist. Incredible. So, so uh, but that was a that was a great contest as well. And uh, Faber's entrance in particular was is one that that always always comes across well on the TV. But that will live long in the memory as well. Tupac California Love comes on over the speakers. Absolutely. The place went absolutely berserk. Um, we had some incredible fights on that fight card. Uh, Max Holloway, Ricardo Lamas was on that main card. Two featherweight guys. Um, Lamas has fought. For the title, Holloway hasn't fought for the title. Um, he's the coming man, and you know we were talking about this earlier. He's had a lot of fights in the UFC, and he's still a baby. He's 24 years of age. It's amazing. You know, I say baby in, in, a, in a respectful way. This is yeah. a sport uh, for those who are relatively new to uh, mixed martial arts and, and uh, the young. See uh, the nature of the sport. Footballers tend to be uh, on the downslope when they hit their early 30s. In MMA, they're, they're they're just approaching their peak. So yeah, um, you really some, can. You kind of think about like that twenty eight to thirty three range yeah. or something is kind of like your physical prime in mixed martial arts. It seems. Yeah, and uh, Holloway's the coming man now. You know, he's pushing for that show in Hawaii. But more important than that, he's knocking on the door for a title shot. If you take Connor out of the equation for a second, because he, he's kind of done that to himself, you've got Frankie Edgar versus Jose 
Jose Aldo happening at UFC 200 for the interim belt. Next man in line's got to be Max Holloway. I think, I think Max Holloway sits around for a couple of weeks, enjoys himself, and then shows up in Vegas for UFC 200 and finds out who he's going to be fighting for the title. Because, yeah. you know, with, uh, with Conor McGregor, of course, the rematch with Nate Diaz was announced tonight. Uh, UFC 202, that fight's going to take place at 170 pounds. And, you know, Conor doesn't look like he's interested in going back to the featherweight division. So, yeah. you know, we talked about it earlier this week, but I believe what's going to happen is that interim fight between Jose Aldo and Frankie Edgar will probably end up crowning an undisputed champion. They'll yeah. end up uh, being granted the undisputed title when, when Conor announces that he's vacating. And uh, if that is the case, there's no question about it. Uh, Max Holloway is the deserving number one contender, and I think he'll get that fight. And uh, if we were to look at the whole fight card and say, who, who got the biggest roar? What generated the loudest noise, the biggest pop from the crowd? I don't think there's any argument. It was Dan Henderson. It was. That was just an yeah. absolute crazy, wild brawl with, with Hector Lombard. Two guys who uh, have fight-ending punch power. And uh, Dan Henderson, how old is Dan Henderson now? He's mid forties now, isn't he? He's got to be. He's got to be pushing forty five. Yeah, he's, 40, 45 will be forty six in August. That's incredible. And he fought Hector Lombard, who is an absolute tank of a man, uh, with incredible punch power, and uh, was in a lot of trouble in that first round. But somehow he survived. He even got hit with an illegal knee. He did. Which you know, and which wasn't spotted by the referee, and that could have ended ended his night. You know, especially after what he'd already taken. Uh, but he made it to the second round, and he produced one of the most memorable finishes I've seen in a fight for a long time uh, and nearly took the roof off the forum I mean he, he had his whole family there and the place went nuts it really did it was uh, incredible it was funny he had told me earlier in the week he was going to win a fight uh, via high kick I was gonna, he's like I have trouble he said I have trouble getting my leg up that high but he's so short I think I can hit him with a high <laughs> kick and sure enough he hits him with a high kick uh, what I didn't see live and then watched on the replay was that little back elbow that he, yeah, that he followed that up well. afterwards was just I mean, that's that's what really did the trick. And, uh, yeah, it was great. You know, it's funny. I actually, Dan Henderson was a pretty massive underdog uh, going into this fight. I actually picked him. Not and, one shot, was he not was, yeah. And I actually picked him coming in. And, and uh, just for some reason, the fight that kept standing out to me was uh, the Shogun rematch, where Shogun was, was hurting him and, and lighting him up. And then somehow he came back and yeah. and uh, pretty much exactly what, what played out tonight. And uh, it was spectacular, uh, spectacular. Uh, applause and reaction by the crowd was just amazing and um, Dan Anderson for the first time uh, admitting because he's been asked about retirement for a long time for the first time admitting this might be it for me uh, I haven't decided yet he basically said all week long if if uh, Dana White will give him one of those Kush uh, ambassador jobs which he should I think he should too <laughs> which man he should, this, I believe, th- this yeah. guy is definitely an MMA legend uh, some people say uh, America's greatest mixed martial artist um, and there's certainly an argument for that Achievement wise, that's hard to argue with. It really is. And, uh, you know, hopefully it happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not like a lot. It's not like there's any fight that, like, we have to see with Dan Henderson. I mean, the guy has done everything, fought everybody, been everywhere. Uh, He has nothing left to to prove, that's for sure. There's no championship for him to go for at this point. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think it, it might be just a financial thing for him at this stage. So, and you just hope that he isn't, he doesn't have that decision taken out of his hands. Because, uh, and we were sat on slightly different parts of press row. You're A-list. You're on the front row. In in Europe, I, I, I occasionally get the privilege of sitting alongside you. Today, I was, I was a bit behind. Just row B, back but row um, B, I was back to row B. You know, cheap seats. But no, it was it was it was great. So I WhatsApped you straight after the uh, the knockout, and I said Henderson should retire right now in in the middle of the octagon. 
It would have been special, man. You know, there's there's been a handful of times where I really felt that, and it's not that you're trying to rush a guy out of the sport, but it would just be the most intense special moment ever. Uh, Big Nog knocking out Brendan Schaub in Brazil was one I thought, what a great way that would be to go out. Vanderlei Silva uh, beating Brian Stan in Saitama, I thought, man, this would be a great night to hang it up. But you know, like you said, first of all, financially, who wants to walk away from those big paychecks? And second of all, uh, just you know, the glory and the competitive side of these athletes. I mean. it's it's so weird to, to to pick a time to say when because, you know, if you if you're if you're victorious, doesn't that prove that you're still capable of doing it? And it's like, yeah, but ah, so it's 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 a tough call to make sometimes. It really is, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is a guy I, I wrote a story about him quite a while back before he was due to fight Tim Boach, and I was I was concerned at that point because we'd seen. We'd seen him on the wrong end of some of some big KOs at that point, and Tim Boach was a big, strong guy mm-hmm. who can bang. And I was concerned that this might be one too much for him. And I said that he needs to be hanging him up. He goes and knocks Tim Boach out in 26 seconds and makes me look like a complete idiot. <laughs> um, and he's he's carried on since, and you know he's he's won a couple, lost a couple. But the thing is, when you've got that, it, I was going to say when you've got that H bomb, his overhand right then there's always a chance. But the right. the ironic thing was, he won that fight without it. You know, head kick, uh, reverse weird elbow, reverse yeah. elbow, and, he, you know, the exclamation point was very uh, reminiscent of his uh, forearm smash on Michael Bisping. He pretty much repeated the feat again on, on Hector Lombard. Incredible scenes, amazing win. Uh, we should probably wrap this up very soon, but any other abiding memories from this event? It was, it, it was a... It was one for the ages, this one. I'm well, that's the thing that's, that's terrible about this is, I mean, everything we've talked about, we haven't talked about how great Dustin Poirier looked. We haven't yeah. talked about the incredible knockout from Benil Dariush. We oh, haven't talked yeah. about Jessica Andrade looking like a, a completely new fighter at 115 pounds. Alex Caceres turning in the best performance of his career. Uh, <laughs> Polo Reyes and Dong Young Kim yeah. in that incredible... I mean, this was a great card. There's just so many stories coming out of it, so many epic performances on the night that... I mean, you could talk as long as the fight card was about the fight card because it was fantastic. It was great. Superb fight. But for us back home in the UK, it was all about one man. Michael, the Count Bisbing, the new undisputed UFC middleweight champion of the world. Uh, that's, that's our coverage all wrapped up here in Los Angeles for UFC 199. Please do check out the Sun website, the UK slash UFC, for our post-fight reaction exclusive backstage interview between myself and Michael Bisbing, a euphoric Michael Bisbing. Uh, he wants to defend that belt back in the UK uh, in his next fight, so fingers crossed we get that fight agreed uh, and we get to see him back on British soil, carrying a little bit of extra bling around his waist. Uh, until next time, take care. We'll speak to you soon.